Hello. Welcome back to the Birth Nurses Podcast. What's up, Liz? Hey, how are you? Good. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things today. What about you? I think. Yeah, I love this subject. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to talk about pushing, mm-hmm. all about pushing, and we're going to kind of do a little bit different of an episode and make it a Q&A. I'm going to be asking Liz some questions about pushing because she is actively practicing as a nurse in the labor and delivery unit. I left the hospital a couple of years ago. Boo-hoo. Uh, I know. So sad. Um, but when I teach a birth class, I say how much I love this stage. And I spend quite a bit of time teaching my clients about pushing and positions and breathing when you're pushing and all the things. So, yeah, let's get into, into it. it. All right. Cool. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shayna Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Um, so first of all, let's talk about the history of pushing. You know, when I look at pictures and hieroglyphics and all different kinds of historical representations of pushing, you will see people pushing in every different position. Mm -hmm. Hands and knees, holding onto a rope, uh, leaning and supporting on other women. On a birthing stool? Absolutely. I actually have one of those in my house. No way. Yes, I do. Like an an old birthing stool from (laughs) Ireland. Stop. It's the most comfortable thing. That is the most labor and delivery thing I've ever heard you say. My uncle sent it to me when he was in Ireland. He goes, I think this has something to do with birth. And it's this little stool. And I'm like, okay. That's amazing. I know. It's actually great. Um, And so we look at all these pictures. And then, of course, we know what happens in the home or in a free birth situation Mm -hmm. or a home birth with a midwife that patients are basically, I'm putting quotes in the air here, allowed to comfortably push in whatever position that feels right. Mm -hmm. In the hospital, of course, we get into restrictions. Yep. Why do we do that? Yeah, we had a whole episode about this. Why am I restricted in labor? And we talked about policies and procedures and standards of care and the fact that when someone's in the hospital setting, you're on someone else's watch. They have to monitor your safety. And so... Right. Yeah, unfortunately, there's these these rules, these uh-huh. restrictions. But do the restrictions apply to pushing positions? Great point. When we talk about policy and procedure and standard of care, we're mostly talking about how we monitor, how we assess, um, and how we deliver care according to that patient's situation. For instance, if they had preeclampsia or if they were diabetic or if they have IV fluids or medications or antibiotics, whatnot. But when we're talking about pushing, we're talking about something that isn't in the medical management of care. Mm. And we put restrictions on our patients for our comfort. And when I say our, it's generally the physician, 
mm-hmm. who's going to catch the baby. Right. Um, and that's something that we have to change and we have to start helping younger nurses learn to listen to their patient and listen to her talk about what feels right and how adequately it's working. Right. When I say adequately, I don't mean the pushing person themselves. I mean, is this person moving the baby? Mm -hmm. Does it feel right? Is it comfortable? Is it painful? And all of those things take into account birth and being able to be in the most comfortable position possible and actually deliver their baby. Right. So yeah, let's talk about the or describe. Can you describe the classic hospital pushing position? Classic hospital pushing position, it's hard to say, is what we call lithotomy. And that means lithotomy is patient in a semi-reclining position holding her knees. Um, sometimes this is a fantastic position. Yeah, sometimes it does feel it the best. It just works great. Uh-huh. The patient is most comfortable there. We need to take to, into account the position of the baby in the maternal pelvis. Ah, uh, yes. Right? So if a patient says, I feel very pushy, I feel the rectal pressure, I feel the urge to push, Ferguson's reflex, and then I say, okay, go ahead and lean over, lay on your back, we'll put the head of the bed up, grab your knee, oh, I don't feel the urge to push anymore. Mm. Well, that communicates to me Mm -hmm. that the position that she's in made the pushing effort go away. Right. So lithotomy is typical. It's also most convenient uh-huh. for the doctor. She can put her feet in the foot pedals or up on the stirrups if her legs are heavy or she's tired. And it allows the doctor to have access to the baby, to her perineum. Right. But it may not be what's most comfortable or working. And what you may not know as the listener is the labor and delivery hospital bed actually separates. So the foot of the bed comes off. They, uh, the nurse will take it off, lift it off, and then the doctor can get even closer right. to the perineum. So right. instead of having you know two feet of bed mm-hmm. um, in the way, it's removed. And then it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> she's flying eagle and, um, and doctor's right up close. Well, I want to make a distinction also between the pushing phase and delivery. At delivery, that is the most common, but we tend to be pushing that way as well. During the actual pushing phase, we don't know how long that's going to take. Yes, I might do a little test push and say, "Uh, this baby is going to come out in 10 minutes, Uh or this is going to take three hours. And you know that from experience because you've you've done this for so long. Mm. Yeah, I got to that point too where I was like, okay, stop, stop, stop pushing because you need to call your doctor and you like your baby is right there. But then there's other times when... You're like, let's push for however long we need to. And then when I can determine that baby is about 10 minutes away from Mm -hmm. delivery, then I'll call your doctor. Absolutely. And we need to take into consideration that I would say most women have an intrinsic feeling that might be redundant of what feels right. Yeah. Especially if they don't have an epidural. Yes. If a patient does not have an epidural... I cannot or would not force that person to push in any position that wasn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. So if that patient says, I need to push on my hands and knees because it's the only thing that's tolerable, let's say she has back labor, 
or it's just more comfortable or with the back of the bed up, the head of the bed mm-hmm. with her draped over the bed. I love that position, by so the way. So good. Um, then you have at it. But a lot of younger nurses are uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And because we can't monitor the baby right. or the, the monitor comes off, off and it slips yeah. off and they're all wired up with a blood pressure cuff. Right. It's like, you know what? Take off the, the blood pressure cuff. The patient doesn't have an epidural <laughs> yeah. and she's not on IV fluid for a reason. Uh-huh. She's not on oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Unhook it. Yeah. What's the point? Right? Yeah. Heplock means you turn the IV into... Just the catheter in mm-hmm. your wrist with a covering. Get rid of the blood pressure cuff. Get rid of the pulse oximeter on yep. their finger. Get rid of the IV line and give her freedom. Yep. You don't have to be all tangled up in all the wires. Exactly. Now, in the patient whose baby needs fetal surveillance, that means the baby we call, you know, is having some fetal distress intermittently. Um, we need to be able to monitor the baby. Sure. But we get so worried about the pushing phase because we have to document yeah. that this baby was safe. So I understand that can be a difficult position. But there's even wireless monitors in lots of hospitals these days. We now have yeah. wireless monitors in over almost every room. You know, we don't, Shane and I don't talk about the hospitals that we work in, but it has been a godsend. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's so, been, so much yeah. even even less Yes. And I often tell people, while these are charging, I want to put you on the cord monitors because mm-hmm. I really want these available and mm-hmm. charged up for the pushing phase so we yeah. can just get rid of all of that. But yeah, the pushing position is a very personal thing. So we can do sideline. I love that position, especially so if the patient good. has hypertension. Yeah. It displaces the um, baby off the vena cava, yep. off, less compression on the vena cava, more oxygen. Uh, flow to the baby. Yeah. So for side lying, mm-hmm. you are completely on your hip and your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then the top leg, you are lifting at the ankle. You're holding your ankle and kind of angling your knee down towards your other knee. Yeah. This is the internal rotation of your femur. We talked about this in, in our last mm-hmm. pushing episode from last year. Um and it opens up the outlet of the pelvis. Absolutely. So much. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, you know, we as nurses um, have this obsession with wide need, back in your ears pushing. Right. Which is, um, I think, arcane. There's some great literature and great science behind a more closed need pushing position. Mm-hmm. Those things need to be taught. Yes. And, um, you know, the way we teach nurses, new nurses, about pushing is also arcane. Mm. And, you know, we need to bring back the freedom to change positions. And we need to start nudging our obstetricians into being comfortable with delivering in a way that's different than lithotomy. Yes, yes. I like towel pull. Ooh, that's a great one. I like the squat bar. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the patient grabs the squat bar. It's a big bar that we put in the bed mm-hmm. and over, the patient, yeah. it goes over the patient in these little notches. Patient grabs onto the squat bar. And a lot of people say that's really exhausting. It's hard. It's hard to hold my hands up. It's hard to help my weight. I'm like, all right, well, let's try something else. Mm-hmm. They put their feet up on the bar and grab a towel and use the towel yeah. in there to hold leverage. Like tug of war. Yeah, yeah. It's like a tug of war. And like that works. Mm-hmm. That's nice. You can even do that side lying. 
Yes, mm-hmm. give them an extra oomph. Love it. And there's, on labor and delivery beds, there's handles on the side that you could pop up. And so if you are on your back, hopefully reclined upwards, not mm-hmm. flat on your back, mm-hmm. you can hold on to those handles yeah. um, to give you that leverage. Yeah, yeah, there's so much. So advocating for yourself means when I'm in this position, I don't feel pressure and I don't feel the urge to bear down. When I'm in this position, I do. I would like to be able to do that. And then you can educate your nurse if she's uncomfortable with that, just saying there there is good evidence that I should be able to push in a position that suits me. Yes. And that's working. And it could change too. Maybe you do oh, I change it three up. to five pushes oh, on yeah. your side and you're like, okay, I think I want to change. Maybe you flip to the other side. Maybe you go on your back. Maybe your hands and knees and you're like, okay, this is another great position because as the baby moves down the birth canal, you're going to feel that urge to push in a different way and more pressure in certain areas. And yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who have epidurals who mm-hmm. push and they feel that Ferguson's reflex, that expulsive, natural effort yeah. to bear down because epidurals really sort of knock out the pain sensor, but they leave that baroreceptor in place so you can feel pressure, not mm-hmm. necessarily pain. But other people who are pushing with epidurals have no sense, but they have a sense memory. Mm-hmm. So they may take a breath and they may bear down in their rectum and say, I don't feel anything, Like, but you're moving the baby. So that's fine with me. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel it, you're going to birth your baby anyway. That's okay. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to adjust position and epidurals to push effectively. And then there's the whole rotation of the fetal head in the maternal pelvis. So we know that size and shape of the fetal head and position and size and shape of the maternal pelvis has something to do with outcome. Totally. Okay. I was a perfect example of that. A very long labor with a small baby, seven mm. pounds, seven centimeters, that was it. Baby's facing directly to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Was not rotating no matter scary. what I tried. Now, 28 years ago, there was more, you know, I have more tricks up my sleeve than I sure. did then. Yeah. Um, but that was not working. I ended up with surgical birth. But we now have all kinds of new information about helping rotation, optimal fetal positioning. Mm-hmm. The Where is the femur, yep. right? Where is, um, you know, movement, motion, rhythm, um, gravity, all of those things Yes, to prepare for that pushing. Yeah. So remember that there are myriad of positions and sometimes I try all of them. It's like, yeah. let's see what works. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher-risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. 
and getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. It's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery, I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my LB and I what don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. So let's say... So, you know, we kind of describe those two phases of pushing. There's right. the pushing stage with your nurse for maybe an hour, two hours, and then there's delivery mm-hmm. with the OBGYN. Sometimes the doctor or midwife is there for the pushing stage, mm-hmm. the first phase, I like to say. Mm-hmm. And then for delivery, um, either the doctor or midwife just shows up for the end, last 10 minutes or I so. I would say the majority, 75 maybe, up to 90% mm-hmm. of the obstetricians do not want to be there for the pushing stage. For the pushing part. And right. why should they? Right. Because they have other patients. Yeah, and there's a few concierge the doctors, again, I'm putting sure. quotes in the air, that are have promised the nurse, you know, or rather pro- promised their patient that they would be there yeah. for the pushing yeah. phase. But um, I'm not uh, so sure that that's a great idea either. <laughs> yeah, so let's say mm. your nurse is very accommodating to having you be in different positions mm-hmm. and working with you mm-hmm. and someone like you is their nurse and mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, let's go on your side. Let's go hands and knees. And then doctor comes blazing in yep. and is like, get on your back. That's right. How, I'm here. How does I'm going to push someone mm-hmm. talk to their doctor about what they want well, for that's, pushing? That's very... That's a very slippery slope, isn't it, Shana? <laughs> it is. How but I think I you're diplomatic? the best person mm-hmm. to talk about this, Not my Liz. Kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> advocating for yourself just means being able to say your mind and not having to worry about everybody else's feelings when you're in a vulnerable, sometimes exhausted, or sometimes exhilarated state. It's not the patient's job to make everybody in the room feel better. So sometimes it's best just, you know... I've been pushing on my side and I'm really comfortable here and I'd like to stay here. Thank you. Done. Okay. Boom. End of story. I've been pushing on my hands and knees. This is working for me, Mm -hmm. you know, or the patient's been pushing for several hours. I'm exhausted. I need a rest. I'm not pushing anymore Mm -hmm. for a few minutes. You know, I need, I need to take a breather. Yep. Yeah. And I would say from, you know, the patient's perspective and having been in that place, sometimes you don't have all those words (laughs) in your brain and in your mouth Mm -hmm. to be able to say out loud. And And that's a pretty short sentence. It is a short sentence, but you still (laughs) can't say it. So if your partner, your doula, Mm -hmm. your support person is there and knows that that's what she wanted, 
yeah. they can be your spokesperson or you, you mumble a few words, I want to stay here. And then your support person expands on that. Like, yeah, we talked about this. You She's know, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. I want to stay here. And then I hear other people, well, just, it's like, well, wait a minute. You already just, mm-hmm. just said, we'll just, or, but wait a minute, but let's do it my way. You know, all that, all those words mean you just made it clear that this is where you, you're most comfortable. Yep. But your nurse may be knowing, it's like, I want to try something that can help expedite this. You've been pushing for three hours. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to hear. I'm comfortable here, even though my pushing isn't productive. Yeah. Nothing's changed. I'm getting tired. So you have to take into consideration, sometimes your nurse is just trying to nudge you in a different direction. It's sort of like that, doing the same thing over and over again. It's like... Makes you insane. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, let's just give me... 10 minutes, 20 minutes to try it, you know, change it up in a different way. Or here's a bonus tip, sideline hip release. Love it. If you've been doing the same pushing position for Mm -hmm. two hours, three Mm -hmm. hours, nothing's working, then you're stuck. Your your pelvis has been in the same position for that long. We've got to loosen you up again. Mm -hmm. So let's flip you on your side. Let's Pause pushing and massage your hips, like kind of your hip flexors. Mm, and I get the, in there with both my palms and, you, and yeah, rock the patient a back, nice, and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Nice massage on your side. That top leg is Dropped just hanging, down, hanging. over mm-hmm. the side of the bed. And you're supported by mm-hmm. your nurse or partner. And then you're getting a nice hip massage that loosens up all those ligaments and just kind of resets things. I rarely like call out a very specific thing. I don't think this is a HIPAA violation, but I'm going to risk it. Um, just last week, a doctor came out to me and said, Liz, will you go back there and put that patient in that weird archy position? She meant <laughs> flying cowgirl, we call it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you, know, you know, they were pushing for a few hours and nothing was moving. Mm. And l- literally, no joke. 20 minutes later, she pushed that baby out. Amazing. That's a very arched position. You're knees, on your side, yeah. Knees more closed than open. The arch, peanut ball. Peanut ball, mm-hmm. lower legs, open chest. Right. Amazing. You're on your side in an arched position. Think of that cowgirl just holding on to that bull, one arm <laughs> and the That's other awesome. arm flying behind her. So an open arm, an open chest. Mm-hmm. And um, that helped with that internal rotation and that Amazing. that woman said oh i need to push after 20 minutes boom Woo! baby out so when it works mm-hmm. it's great the issue or the problem is getting to let's try to get sure. this going on mm-hmm. give me some time and yeah for someone to trust you i mean like was that even your patient no no so it was just like no. you're the nurse who knows this position yeah go in there you're trying to yeah. have someone a stranger trust you mm-hmm. and it's like, you just see the look on her face like another another <laughs> nurse coming to tell me what to do you know and the nurse that was taking care of was amazing mm-hmm. yeah she's one of our traveling nurses and she's a doll and great ben and, and she was trying support. to yeah you always need teamwork i have absolutely been flummoxed and like i've tried everything in the world mm-hmm. this baby is Not lodged in there like a yep. can of sardines. Okay, so... <laughs> and then someone else comes in and tries a little trick, like, and then hmm. it works. Well, that started happening when, you know, around the dawn of the time of optimal fetal positioning. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, changed the whole vocabulary, the whole vernacular, Amazing. the whole scene of what we do. Yeah. Um, it's also, I'm not a big fan of, you know, my big pet peeve. What's my big pet peeve? Yep, that perineal Thank stretching. You. See how Shana knows me? <laughs> the excessive, unnecessary, yeah. painful, causing damaging, mm-hmm. excessive perineal stretching for three hours. That's another reason why I'm not a huge fan of the physicians being in the room early. Thank goodness most of them keep their hands out of there. Mm -hmm. But there are some nurses and doctors who still feel like they need to put their hands in the vagina and excessively stretch, excessively stretch. Mm -hmm. Just get a picture of that. Yeah, this is not a massage. No. This is stretching. Yeah. Yeah. And I say if there's blood dripping out of my patient at the perineum, that is damage. It does not shorten the second stage. It's a bad habit. It's unnecessary. Mm. And I just precepted, which means trained, two new lovely nurses. And every time they... um, (laughs) Slap on the wrist. Hands off. Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I like to allow that patient first to just feel what she's feeling. So when a patient says, I feel the urge to push, I'm like, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Have at it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not going to count unless you want me to count. I rarely count out loud. I don't raise my voice during the pushing phase. I busy myself with other other things. Mm-hmm. People often come out of the room and say, I'm exhausted. I've been pushing with my patient for two and a half hours. I'm like, well, what have you been doing? <laughs> I sit in a chair. I get some tea. I make my delivery table. I clean up the room and get it ready for delivery. I'm like, what are you doing that you are actively physically doing. Yeah, well, think about how how women birthed babies for millennia right. without a labor and delivery nurse in right. the hospital. Or like, doula or anybody just, else. They go into yeah. a room and they get in a comfortable position yeah. and then a few hours later, baby comes out. I agree. And what I think <laughs> the fatigue is about is stress. Yeah. And I've just been here for eight hours and I've pushed the last three and I'm tired of saying, good, good, go for it. You got it. You got this. You got this. Because we feel like it's necessary to coach and cheer Hmm. every single push, right? Hmm. Which could be dozen pushes every hour. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And and so yeah, every two to three minutes doing quiet. Yeah. yeah, three and pushes per contraction. I often will say when you feel that urge, once we get the groove down of actually pushing, some people do like to push in what we call the Valsalva state. That's hold your breath and bear down. And really bear down. But we also have to look at the fetal heart rate, and we have to really take into account that we are breath holding. Sometimes for 10, yeah. 20 seconds at a time every two minutes. And and does that impact the the fetal heart rate? I mean, you gotta well, I think it does mention that, but yeah. That's the that's the time that I actually listen or look at the fetal heart rate mm-hmm. with external monitors because yeah. I want to understand that this baby has toleration. Mm-hmm. And, and when not, the mom is holding way. her breath, think about it. When yeah. mom is holding her breath. It's blocking oxygen from getting into the umbilical cord into the baby. So then baby isn't getting yeah. oxygen. And babies yeah. have a great amount of fetal reserve. Yes. They can tolerate a lot. But that's my job to assess, hmm, we need to change this up. Mm-hmm. So we might push and then stop. 
and then push and then stop. So two on, one off, two on, one off, sometimes every other. And I really like the push when you feel like it and stop when that urge goes away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't even say, here it comes. Mm -hmm. You feel that urge? Uh Uh-huh. Go ahead and bear down. And you can bear down while you exhale Mm. and lean into it. You can Valsalva and hold your breath and bear down. You can do a combination of both. And more like uh, just letting a little stream of air come out of your mouth. Exactly. Kind of like a a grunt push. I hear a lot of people trying to keep their um, patients, and I'm saying patients just for the sake of, because we work in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Don't anyone get hysterical. Um, you know, try not to make any noise. I'm like, well, why can't you make any noise? Yeah, make like, noise, well, what's girl. With that? What's the deal with that? <laughs> Again, it's like, oh, yeah, what's making you uncomfortable? Go figure that out and then mm. come back in the room and start over. Ooh, snap, Liz. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, she's yeah. screaming. It's like, well, it hurts. Yeah. And this is how she's voicing and this is how, yeah. you know, she's in the bathroom and she's in the shower and she's screaming. I'm like, Just oh, well, vocalizing. You know. mm-hmm. Labor hurts like hell. Hey there, it's Shana Brickner. I am an international board certified lactation consultant and a former labor and delivery nurse. I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept insurance for lactation visits. If you have Aetna, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, Tricare West, or HealthNet PPO, then it is very likely that we can have six or more lactation visits completely covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or a virtual visit. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, www.preparented.com, to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. I can help you with low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping, latching, bottle feeding, tongue tire, lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, introducing solid food, or weaning. I'd love to help you reach your parenting goals, your breastfeeding goals. So please reach out to me. My email is shana at preparented.com and then my website, www.preparented.com. So <laughs> I, I want to, yeah, I want to go back a little bit to okay. why, why do you think some doctors, why are some doctors obstructive to letting their patients push in the way that's comfortable. Well, I think what they're, you know, when they come into the room, doctor, I've seen hospital midwives do this also. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in that hospital setting. You got to think of your doctor. Your doctor is in the office, let's just say. Five days a week, sometimes four days a week for eight hours. Mm -hmm. What are they doing in there? They are doing procedures. Mm -hmm. They are seeing patients. They are seeing new mothers. They're seeing their GYN patients. They know... If they get behind, it all comes tumbling down. Somebody, they have to disperse their patients among their partners. If they don't have one, they have to load them up the next day. It's hard to be an obstetrician and leave your office. So there is a, you know, there is a, an urgency to get the job done. So the doctor sometimes will come over. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And that's when, you know, the whole hands in the vagina and stretching and a lot of yelling. Speed things up a little bit. Yeah. And and I understand, like, they want to get back to their office. And it's it's just a a small group of people. Like, most of them are perfectly happy. Um, The pushing part, like I said, is done mostly with your labor nurse. Mm -hmm. It's the delivery part that they get there for. But it's also 
when they're there for the pushing and delivery. It's convenient and it's not messy. So a patient's on her hands and knees, right? And the doctor is delivering from the back. A lot of water comes out, Mm -hmm. like a a bunch of amniotic fluid gushes out afterward. It kind of goes everywhere. And I'm like, well, so what? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We figure it out. But doctors have to be more, it's like, put your booties on and a gown and a mask and a face shield. Get your gloves on. We will put chucks and our drape under the patient and just let her deliver the way she wants to deliver. Mm -hmm. And get comfortable with it. There's a couple of doctors that are really, really comfortable with hands and knees pushing or sideline pushing. That's awesome. I couldn't care less. And we're we're trying to gently nudge newer doctors into it. But I now even what find about, that like standing next to the bed, um, twice in ten years. Yeah, that's for me less common. Yeah. yeah, and that's really straight up. I'm afraid the body's gonna baby's gonna slip out of my hand sure. onto the floor. And sure. I've seen it. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. A baby shoot out, and I mean, this baby came fast, slippery, Oof. and um, barely, barely missed hitting the floor. Do you know what I mean? And so, the hands and knees on the floor thing, and if they're on their knees on the floor, that could be okay. But it's yeah. very unlikely that in a hospital setting you're going to be on the floor. And why should you be? You're on. You're on a bed. Mm-hmm. That's flat surface. Mm-hmm. If you want to be on the, if you want to be on, you can't stand on the bed. Right. That's, you could squat. You can squat on the bed. Yeah. So your feet are on the bed, but oh, you're squatting. Yeah. With yeah. the squat bar. Absolutely. You can, I love hands and knees. I like pushing with either sort of in that, when you're about to do a cat cow, folks, that's what I mean by hands and knees. Um, pushing with the, bring the head of the bed up 10 degrees, 20 degrees, 40 degrees, mm-hmm. draped over the bed, anything you want. I don't care. I put the ball on the bed so they can drape over that. Yeah. None of that matters, but I really can't risk you falling off the bed and mm. hitting yeah. the floor. I'm like, yeah. that, that can't happen. Um, what about a, a toilet delivery? Have you had those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've especially heard if I've patients told... like grunty, you know, it's like, yeah. I, need, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'm not having what I joke about, a water birth. <laughs> a <laughs> toilet water birth. That's right. It's like, I am going to go in there with you mm-hmm. and put on a glove. Mm-hmm. If there's a head right there, you're not, if you want, if you, you think you need to have a bowel movement, you do it in the bed with me. So if the baby <laughs> comes out, but it's just, it's, and I don't, it's not about mess. It's cold, hard tile in there. Right. Do you know what I mean? If you want to do that, um, you know, uh, we actually had a guest that um, I was her doula for her home birth with uh, Davey, the midwife here in Los Angeles. It was beautiful. And she was in her bathtub. Mm -hmm. Like, this is safe. Yeah. You know, baby's not going anywhere except floating up into the water. It was beautiful. Um, My favorite types of births are the ones where... Oops. The nur- they're oopsies. <laughs> like the nurse didn't have to do anything. I forget if I had told this story before, mm-hmm. but at the first hospital where I worked, this lady comes in. She's in a wheelchair. Her mm-hmm. husband's pushing her in the wheelchair. And all we hear is, cabeza, cabeza. Mm-hmm. And we're like, head? And we lift up her skirt and the, the baby's head is out. Oh, yeah. Just hold it, like held in by her underwear. Oh, and gosh, so all we did was help take off her underwear yeah. <laughs> to get this baby, the rest of baby's body out of her but yeah that I mean, was she did it all by herself and you're not like, gonna have why did the you long even come push <laughs> right sometimes it's just the doctor it was more difficult it. to get yeah. her onto the bed right exactly you know with the umbilical cord still attached exactly. and the placenta but and then another i just saw a video recently where um this lady is she had been 
feeling the urge to push. She's like, I feel a lot of pressure. And the nurse is like, okay, let me get a glove on and I'll check you. And she's the nurse. You see the nurse in the background, like putting on a glove. And the husband just walks around, lifts up the sheet and looks and says, you don't need a glove. Baby's coming, right? Like, you don't need to check. Baby's coming right now. And baby just plops out onto the bed. And then the dad picked up the bare hands. It's mm-hmm. his baby. Mm-hmm. Picks up the baby, puts it on his wife's chest. And the nurse was just there to, like, put a blanket on them. Yeah. This is a really, really <laughs> interesting situation that happens in labor and delivery all the time. Mm-hmm. Not just once or twice a year, but all the time. Labor and delivery nurses deliver babies mm-hmm. all the time. The nurse delivery. And when people say to me, have you ever delivered a baby? I'm like, well, I'm 33 years in. So I can't even count the number of babies. <laughs> Sometimes it's in the bathroom. Most of the time it's in the bed. Uh, once in a car out in front of our hospital, a patient that I had sent home earlier that morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's like, I'm in labor now. Yeah. She said, I broke my water on the California incline. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> Welcome back. A brand new Escalade. I'll never forget that. Even had new car smell. Such a pity. Okay. I digress. But sometimes it's just time. And so when doctors say, like, how did I miss this? I'm like, well, you know. Because she pushed and the baby came yeah, out. And that's because how you miss the it. mom is the one who delivers the baby. Right. <laughs> to me, I'm trying to support the perineum. Yes. I do believe there's some finesse. There is some, you know, um, skill mm-hmm. involved in, and some um, techniques to be able to uh, dislodge shoulder dystocia. Oh, totally. And um, a cord from around the neck. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether we reduce it or cut it, much prefer reducing it or deliver through it. And um, your nurses are working with each other. Sometimes I've delivered babies of people I didn't meet until that very moment. <laughs> you know, if someone calls out in the nurse station, listen, mm-hmm. I'm like, I go in. Mm-hmm. And every other nurse does the same thing. So just keep in mind, you may ask your nurse to try several different positions you may tell your nurse that the position that you're in is most comfortable. Try to be open to your nurse giving you suggestions of different positions. And then have a conversation with your doctor about comfort and tolerability and comfort zone. And during your prenatal during appointments. During your prenatal appointments. Yes. I would like to be able to have the freedom to A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are important conversations to yeah. have. There's going to be caveats sometimes of sure. like, well... We'll see how your blood pressure's going. We'll see how your, totally. you know, the labor progress goes. Yeah. But if your doctor or midwife can be agreeable and just wanting to help you meet your birthing goals as much as possible, that's a great sign. If there's someone totally stonewalling and be like, nope, I don't do that. Maybe. And, and it's really important to you to have the freedom to do other positions. Maybe okay. you Are you open to, to changing provider. your point of view, mm-hmm. you know, over the next few months of my pregnancy so yep. I can feel better about that? Yep. I mean, I think those are really good conversations to have. Yeah. Well, thank you, Liz, You're for welcome. your insight and all your experience and the tips. I love talking about this. And yeah, this is definitely more of a deep dive than what I get into in my birth class. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. And... Me too. Hope you come back to listen to more episodes. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.